Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Thank you for listening to episode 281. This week, we have a CRA lawsuit, a gubernatorial smack, a fanny smack, what Brown can do for you. Teaching what now? Wowie Maui is ablaze. Election money shenanigans. A disturbing Clayton story. Dem on Dem crime. The Georgia Senate takes aim at social media and a mess in Douglas County. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner in this endeavor, Representative Emeritus, Ken Pullen. Hey, Dave. How are you today? I'm all right, Kenny. How's it going? Yeah, good. Just messy weather all week. Yeah. Uh, last Monday, we lost power for about six hours. Yep. <clears throat> and let me tell you how spoiled my wife is having an air conditioner <laughs> man at home. Did you have to crank the uh, generator up? I did crank the generator up. I did not hook the AC up to it. it had, had it gone long enough, I would have. Gotcha. But, you know, I'm married to a woman of a certain age, so she's sweating, dying from, from hot flashes. <laughs> and uh, we get the power back on, I don't know, a little before midnight. I go look at my thermostat, like, baby, it's 74. It's yeah, ours 70, is it, always on 74. Is that not where it's supposed to be? Uh, mine's on 68. Oh, Lord. I couldn't afford that. Sure you can. He's got to have the right air conditioner. <laughs> But, you know, you, you would have thought that she, she was Laura Ingalls. We had a lot of power outages down my way this week. And then one day this week, a snake climbed into uh, one of the pieces up on a up on a pole and shorted power out for quite a while. So we had a weather and a snake uh, present power issues this week. A snake. Yeah, that, that, that actually does happen to air conditioners. <clears throat> they get themselves wrapped around electrical components and they ride the lightning. Yep. That's what happened. And it stinks to high heaven. <laughs> Mice do it too. Mice will, uh, will look for a warm place. They'll get next to the crankcase heater on a heat pump and end up frying. And that stinks like this. stinks Ooh. like hell. Yeah, that can't smell good. <clears throat> no. No. And as we want to get rubber gloves out, look, I, I know there are more macho guys that may reach in there with bare hands. <clears throat> Take the nasty thing out. No, I grab my grab my gloves from the truck. Yeah, I'm going gloves with that. So we have a black women-owned uh, firm targeted by conservatives. Yeah, I saw this on LinkedIn. That's where I first saw this this week. So I'm so I'm in. I work for a, what we call a fintech company. This investor, you know, investors invest in. We're a Series B company. Uh, but you've got all these technology companies or financial companies around the U.S. now that are popping up and they need venture capital money. And there's, you know, investment, there's investment groups all over the United States that invest in companies. Well, there's a new fund in Atlanta called the Fearless Fund. It's an Atlanta-based uh, venture capital firm. But they were only, they had actually partnered with MasterCard too. So one of their big partners was MasterCard. But they were only giving money to black women in this program that they had. So to only be considered for venture capital money, you had to be a black woman on business. So one of this, I guess, conservative group, that's, you know, everything that the left doesn't write or doesn't like is a, is a conservative group. But the American Alliance for Equal Rights actually sued the organization claiming it was in violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Yeah, <clears throat> Interesting. It is. It's very interesting. I, I don't. I don't know if they were. If they were. If they were a five hundred one three C. If they'd get away with it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a couple things on this. You know, I, I think if you start your own fund, like this one's called Fearless Fund, and you raise money in that Fearless Fund, and you want to invest in different companies. I think you ought to be investing who whoever you want to invest in. So I think I, I, I think I'm taking a side of the fearless fund that is only investing in black women owned businesses. Cause I just I like leave the leave the Civil Rights Act out of this. I mean, I think we should 
I think we should always be free to associate with who we want to. And I think that's what's made, you know, I just think that's what at the core here, these people raise money and they want to associate with black women and own businesses. And I think they ought to be able to do that. Uh, so I, I'm sort of on the, the fearless fun here and against this, uh, you know, this supposed, I, I'm not sure it's a conservative group, but it's a group that's out there looking to see how money is being invested and saying, this is a violation of civil rights act. So I, I think I'm with the the group and I think they're going now, you know, with the recent SCOTUS decisions around affirmative action, I don't know how this lawsuit's going to end up, but I really but do think that yeah. has everything to do with public money versus private money. Yes. Right. And I think this being private money, I think they, I think they're going to be able to do with it what they want to. Yeah. Look, if, if, uh, bakers can decide not to cook a bake or not to bake a cake for a gay wedding. Yes. If if you support that freedom of association, you kind of have to. Support I think you it have here. to support this one. Yeah, and that's where I came down on this. I, yeah, I mean, and, and and from my purview, if you want to, whoever you want to bake a cake for should be your purview, and whoever you want to invest in should be your purview. So I'm I'm on the side of the fearless fund on this one, but I thought it was an interesting. It'll be an interesting lawsuit with all the affirmative action lawsuits that have come down. They say this goes against the racial bias in contracts where. That Civil Rights Act said you could not have racial bias in contracts. So I don't know where this lawsuit's going to first. I'm sure it's a Superior Court in Atlanta. I don't think this is a federal issue. I think it's probably going to be bumped up. But I would imagine we'll see some appeals here. And this would be an interesting case as it moves up the court chain. Well, actually, it actually absolutely could be a, a, a federal case. Considering they're they're quoting a, a federal statute. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it was filed in federal court. Yeah, that's a good point. For, it, it probably is if they're it, using the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Which was, which was, was a part of Reconstruction. Yep. I believe that was actually passed, uh, vetoed, and then the veto was overridden. Mm-hmm, exactly. A- Andrew Johnson, uh, the stand-in for, for Lincoln. Yep. Uh, now look, it, it's it's still on the books. I don't. I, I just don't know if that if that if that constitutes a contract or not. Um. Now I think it's a. I think it's as, as an investor, it is extremely short sighted to to put your investments based on your social ideals. Yes, I totally agree with you. Uh. You've you've got to separate your heart from your money, uh, and I think I think this is extremely short sighted. I'm not saying that that that, that black women can't be good business people, and but it's if you if you're going to do a Shark Tank sort of thing, an angel investor, where I'm going to take I'm going to take 25 percent of your company by after investing a hundred thousand into it, you know you're 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 taking a slice of it, and, and really it shouldn't matter as an investor what color the applicant is. Gay, straight, or anywhere in between, doesn't matter. You're you're investing money in something that's going to give you returns. I agree, but if this fearless fund, who is this venture capital firm, if they went out to their investors, it's just you know people just invest in these groups. If they said we're only going to invest in minority programs or minority-owned businesses, and people still gave them money on, up under that pretense, I say go yeah. for it. Yeah. So that I mean, as long as it was. As long as they thought, as long as they knew what was going on when they went into it, as long as people knew what they were investing in, I'm all for it. So I, now, now I, I'm suspicious. Yep, I, I'm suspicious of of the motivations of the folks that run the firm. Yep, just yes. because I, I right. when I see things that are overly altruistic, and they're making money at it, I'm like, ah, there's there's something there's something there. Yes, I agree. But as far as the the the. The conditions of the lawsuit, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't see it. Yep, I don't either. I mean, they they can give money to whoever the hell they want to, as long as they, as long as they don't take one dime from the government. Yep. Same thing we said about schools. You can admit whoever the hell you want become a, become a private institution. Oh no, we're <laughs> not we're not going to do that. We want we want those federal student loans. Yeah, right, right. So Kemp decided to hop in the fray a little bit on Trump. Yes, yeah, so Governor Kemp. He's been, you know, over the last year or so, he's been sort of quiet on President Trump. But this week, this is all coming. There's a there's a Republican debate coming up, I think, on August 23rd. So it'll be in a couple of weeks. 
to, to participate in that debate, you have to sign this loyalty pledge, which I think is a bunch of garbage anyway. I don't think you have, I don't think anybody should have to sign a loyalty pledge that says you have to support the eventual candidate because you, you just you don't know. Right. I mean, there's a lot of different type candidates out there. But anyway, Trump's not signing a loyalty pledge, so he's not participating in a debate uh, in that debate that's coming up. And Kemp tweeted that every Republican running for president would be better than Joe Biden. I think we all would agree on that. But he continued and he said any candidate who who does not commit to support an eventual nominee is putting themselves ahead of the future of our country. 2024 is too important for political games. So this was coming off the back of Trump saying, I'm not signing this. And I think Trump's actually skipping the first two debates. I think we could actually, and Dave, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think we're going to have an election next year with no substantial debates. I don't think there'll be any Democrat debates. I'm not even sure if the eventual Republican nominee and Joe Biden will debate. I, I don't know why. I don't know why any of these characters would debate at this point. First of all, they're not debates. Uh, yeah, Twenty people debates. on a stage is yes. not a debate. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're uh, not the typical where you get five minutes and you go back and forth and it's a formal even, type even, debate structure. Yeah. Even now, with with what they have for presidential debates, are, are not debates. No, by, by the time the, the, the two the two camps get done putting their their rules in place uh, and protect and protecting you know you know their their boy respectively. Yep. Uh, it's not a debate. It's not. It's not Lincoln Douglas. You know, let's stand toe to toe and go back and forth and, and meet in the arena of ideas. That's not what these are. But anyway, yep. as far as the loyalty pledge goes, what if Bob Smith uh, is the nominee, and then three weeks later, after he wins the nomination, he gets caught. He gets found with a dead hooker in his trunk. Yeah, I can't. St- I mean, I'm, I agree with you. I mean, I don't like the loyalty pledge. I think it's garbage. And I think to you be know, in a debate, you have to sign that to be in a debate. But that's coming from the GOP leadership. I think that I think the loyalty pledge is garbage. So far, though, only DeSantis, Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, and I don't even know who this guy is, North Dakota judge or North Dakota governor Doug Burgum are the only four candidates so far have signed that pledge. So it looks like those are the four candidates that are going to be on the stage in a couple weeks doing a debate. It's going to be like watching the XFL. Oh, it's going to be terrible. Yep. I mean, you're, you're not going to have anybody of any substantial chance to win. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a loser for Fox, who's carrying it. Yep. Because you don't have, uh, I mean, you don't have Chris Christie there. You don't have Tim Scott in a debate. You don't have Mike Pence in a debate. Yeah. So, I mean, you, yeah, and not that any Mike of those Pence, guys Mike Pence adds so much. Yeah, no. <laughs> did Did you see his latest video of, of pumping pumping gas? Uh, I've seen the one where people have put the new meme up that says like I got pinched. It's like when I, I don't know if you've seen that, but it was pretty hilarious. But what's the one with him pumping gas? He gets out of the he gets out of a truck, a full size truck that obviously he's never driven before. <laughs> goes over and he's talking about gas prices and stuff, and he puts the spigot into into the uh, into the truck. And then doesn't pull the hand. It doesn't hold the handle down or anything. Just has his hand around it as he's talking about about fuel prices. Oh, jeez! You can tell this man hasn't hasn't fueled his own vehicle twenty years. Yeah, cue back to Kelly Leffler out dove hunting without a uh, hunting license, and they found out about that. So, yeah, stop doing stuff that you normally never do, and you're gonna look awkward doing it. Yeah, we always laughed uh, working on Dobbs campaign. A friend, friend of mine, my, you know, Michael Gravely, and he's, he, you know, you guys are friends too. But he, he was, he got a picture of himself cutting wood up on, on a piece of property. He's got all this orange protective stuff, and and, and, we're, and we're all friends. But we're like, Brian's out there t- doing the same picture. Uh, not, but he wasn't. We were holding an event. It was cold. We were cutting up, actually cutting up firewood. <laughs> so we got a picture. He's just out there in blue, je- blue jeans or cargo pants, whatever it was, and shirt. Yeah, you know, using a chainsaw to get to get a fire going for this event we were doing. It's one of the more fun fundraisers. We did a machine gun shoot. Yeah, those would be a lot of fun. Had everything from a, a twenty-two machine gun up to up to Ma Deuce, a fifty cal. Yeah, and I'm noticing I'm starting to receive more emails and text messages from candidates for next year. So they're starting to get in fundraising mode again. 
guess they took well, a couple I, months, couple months off, and now it's like raise money for twenty twenty four. Well, yeah, well, as you know, as soon as they go into session, that's it. Everything gets locked down. Yep. So everybody's trying to raise money again. Fun times. Yeah. 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 I mean, but uh, one, I think Kemp needs to stay out of it. If if he, if he's not going to get in, stay out. I agree. I think I, I thought all along Governor Kemp was going to jump in and and run for president. It appears he's not. So I've, I will eat crow at some point here shortly. But I do think he probably should just stay out of it. More along the lines of his 2026 Senate run. I don't. I, I think he wants to say kind of neutral at this point and just eventually support the nominee that the GOP, you know, whoever the nominee is. If if you feel compelled to say anything, which I, I don't know why he would, but you say something, I, I'm disappointed that all the candidates will, will not be on, will not be on stage. It would have been uh, great for our party and the American people to see all the candidates competing with each other for uh, for votes. Yeah, so, something like that is it's it's uh, slightly you know backhanded to Trump, but it's also aimed at everybody else who who's not doing what they need to do to get into this to get into this debate. Right, and there's no teeth to this loyalty pledge anyway. I mean, what if you sign it and they can't do anything if you don't support the eventual nominee? So it's kind of it's just to me all they can do is, is not support you to, uh, for your next run for office. Yeah. Is if they if if you were trying to run as a Republican in a primary again, any the first thing to be brought up is violated his own loyalty pledge. Yeah, how can you trust him if he if uh, he, uh, if he's turned his back on your party? So yeah, you, your your political career is over at that point. But it does give Trump a reason to skip a debate, and it does. So he's already and look, I don't think Trump needs to go to the debate. If I'm Trump, I'm staying as far away from the debates as possible. But it just gives him a good reason not to sign it. Look, hey, I'm not signing it. GOP said I had to sign it. I'm not signing it. They're not going to tell me what to do. So in turn, I can't participate. So it gives him an out, which if I was DeSantis or Nikki Haley, I want him on the stage to actually debate the guy. So I think this has kind of backfired on the GOP. It does. And I've had the same conversation with people who have run against uh, uh, Joseph Gullett. And well, this person ended up getting smacked down by the ethics committee too. But <laughs> she's like, I, I invited him to a debate and he didn't come. And, and I just told her, I said, why would yeah, he? Why would he come? Yep. I mean, just having an R after his name gets, gets him 60%. Yeah. You don't do debates if you're going to win an election. See, I'm an arrogant bastard. 20 points. Yep. There's no reason I'll take, to ever debate. Yeah, yeah. I'll take all comers. I'm an arrogant bastard. <laughs> well, that's, I, I did debates with my Democrat opponent. His name was Chris Benton, and we had a good time. It was not, it was, it was fun, but it was the same type situation. I could have skipped the debates if I wanted to, but I think you show, I think you showed the other candidate respect by actually debating, and I think it's a little disrespectful to not debate. I, th- I think Trump is mix, missing an opportunity to get out there and not be a raving lunatic. <laughs> Do exactly the do exactly the opposite of whatever I expect you to do. Go out there, be calm, collected, be complimentary. Yes, exactly. And say, you know, I th- I think everybody on the stage has something something to bring to the table. That would go a long way. Yeah, and say and say, you know, you know, should should I be should I I be elected for my second term? I want to call on each and every one of the people on this stage to help me to help me form a a yeah, policy. Yeah, you're talking about leadership. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about leadership. Yeah, he's, uh, that's it's not, not just leadership. At, at, at a certain point, you've got to take the ammo away from the, yes. the soccer moms that just hate him. You have to take I that know. ammo away from them. I keep talking about mouth. the soccer moms. Yeah, we mention it almost every week. But it's the soccer moms he has to win over and some of the independents. And well, he's not winning independents over. That That's the problem is you have the you have his core. And look, his core makes up about half the Republican Party, probably a little less. But he has his core within the Republican Party. But if you figure Republicans make up forty-five percent, Democrats make up forty-five percent, uh, uh, and the other ten are independents, uh, and I'm just pulling those numbers out of my ass. Yeah, uh, I mean you're you're right. You, There's you, only you, about a hundred thousand voters out there probably that are actually deciding an election now. I mean, what is twenty thousand yeah, voters and, in Georgia? 
10,000 in Michigan and 10,000 in some of the other northern states. I mean, we're down to less than 100,000 people deciding a presidential election now. Well, you also have people that skip the race. Yep. They outright skip the race. Biden's awful, Trump's awful, I'll just skip the race. There are yeah, a lot of I think we're going to say a lot of that. And we saw it last time when we analyzed the numbers because we had several uh, statewide races. Yep. Is we saw a, an increase in the the senatorial numbers where where we didn't see that, and you know, over you know, you would think the top of the ticket, and then people just tend to, as people get down the ticket, they tend to taper taper off because people I, don't know what's going on locally. And when you when you're seeing local numbers higher combined than for the top of the ticket, that that's. That's troubling. That means that means the, the neither one of these guys have any coattails. Yep, exactly. If, if I if I was running for office in, in in 24 and I was a Democrat, there's no way in hell I'd have Joe Biden out there endorsing. <laughs> no, nowhere close. So we have Trump apparently accused Fanny of banging a gangbanger. Yeah, and look, this just continue. I mean, this is just a kind of a continuation of story we were just talking about with showing leadership, but. Look, I don't like Fonnie Willis either, who is the district attorney in Fulton County, right, Dave? She but, is. But Donald Trump goes on stage this week, and he accuses her of having an affair with this gang member. And he said, quotes, there's a young racist in Atlanta. They say she was after a certain gang, and she ended up having an affair with the head of the gang or a gang member. And he, and he made that quote in New Hampshire this week. Look, I, look, everybody's after Trump right now. The media's after him. This, these elected officials are after him, these district attorneys. But good grief. Again, it's the independents and soccer moms. You're not winning election saying stuff like this. You don't, you don't win, especially, especially soccer moms, by calling someone a whore. I know. It I, doesn't I, matter if it's true. It doesn't matter. And, 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 and talking to somebody who's all but admitted to banging a, uh, uh, a, yeah, a porn uh, star, a porn star. Yep. And look, and look, look, that's his prerogative. If it's, you know, none of his ex-wives have, have anything bad to say about him. If that's what, you know, if that's the part of the relationship and they have an open part on that, that's between them. But if you're not, if you're not going to, uh, bang on, uh, Trump for, his promiscuity, you, you certainly, certainly not appropriate for him to bang on somebody else's. No, and this is just, I mean, this show will drop on Monday. I'm, we continue to hear that next, the week after will be when Fonnie Willis drops charges against Trump. So uh, she is, I mean, I think that's all but done at this point. I saw where they were putting barriers up around the courthouse this week, filling them with water. Look, I don't think there's going to be protests in Atlanta when she drops charges against President Trump, but that's coming down. I don't see how this helps anybody. It sure doesn't help Trump. It doesn't help any of these investigations that are ongoing. It doesn't, this doesn't win you one single vote by saying something this freaking stupid. I mean, there's no other way to put he's, it. He's trying to goad her into a fight. He is, but it doesn't, I mean. Okay. Well, he's also trying to get it in before he's, he's officially charged. Because he goes you, after, once okay. he's charged, he goes after, that's, you know, that's uh, jury tampering. I guess that's what he's fighting right now. He's fighting, he's trying to run for president and fighting all these charges. And those two things just don't go hand in hand. And I don't know what, I don't know what he should do. Just, I mean, to me, he should just sit down in Florida, shut the hell up, win a nomination for the GOP and run against Biden. I don't even know why we're out now speaking in New Hampshire or speaking in Georgia or speaking in Iowa. You've got the nomination wrapped up. Nothing you can do right now is helping you. Like Everything it's, is hurting. It's an addiction. Yeah, and look, this is coming is, from a guy, I want the GOP to win because I can't, Biden's not making another term. The last thing I want to do is see Kamala Harris as president. Oh, but, oh, it's not just that. Then she gets to run for reelection twice. Yes. So we could potentially have a Kamala Harris in office 11 years. I mean, is there nobody around President Trump that can just tell this guy to calm down? No, because he, he surrounds himself with yes men. Look, it's, uh, it's he's, so he's, frustrating. He's in, he's in an echo chamber. He goes to these events and he's, and he's surrounded by that 40% core. Yeah, it's the same crowd. That, that, I think they that, follow him around. 
Yeah, but he's, he's got this core, wherever he goes, of 40% of Republican voters, and they will fill up stadiums, yep. and they will, they will make him feel so good. Yeah, hang on every word, you know, call Fannie Willis names, and, and, and look, I'm no fan of Fannie Willis. Uh, I think she's a hack um, and a crappy lawyer. But, but you just, you, he's, he's, he, then when he gets out in the general and he doesn't understand, well, how, how could people not like me? Every, everywhere I go, I pull tens of thousands of people into rallies. He doesn't yep. get it. And it's the same people, every rally. He, oh, it's just so frustrating because you can see the path to victory. Like every Republican can see, any other Republican candidate except Trump mops the floor with Biden next year. And not that not that all the Republican candidates are good. Like I, I mean, if Mike Pence was president, I don't. I'd have a hard time voting on Pence, Chris Christie. I'd have a hard time voting on Nikki Haley. But a DeSantis, he, I mean, he wins that going away. Tim Scott wins that race going away. Trump is the only uh, Republican that can lose at this point. Wake up, people! <laughs> Tim Scott. Tim Scott would 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 just annihilate Biden in, in a debate. Yes. The I'm problem a, with having a Trump-Biden debate is it's going to be just like the last ones where yes, you have just two nonsensical, uh, irate old men yeah, yelling at each other. Yeah, two 80-year-old guys up there. And I keep hearing it on the radio. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts. We've got two 80-year-old guys running against president next year that only you know 33% that, of the, the public, 33% of Democrats like Biden, it's about 32% of Republicans like Trump. So we've got two guys running for office that can't even get 50% of their own party. You know what that, that debate stage is going to smell like, right? Yes. It's amazing. Depends. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, just, 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 just holster them, just holster the mouth first and then try to put some civil words in it. Yes, please. But we tried that for four years. I know. So, yeah. Brown delivers. Yes, Brown and Biden, I think, delivered. I think Biden's claiming victory for this. So the UPS drivers in a Teamsters union this week, have, you know, they were going to go on strike, but they got a new agreement in place. And when I saw this headline, I was dumbstruck. But these truckers for UPS will now make $170,000 on average to drive a truck. And that's up from their current average of $145,000 a year. I've always heard UPS drivers had great benefits. I didn't know they were this good. Now, when we talk about average, remember. Yeah, that's with that's with 401 healthcare. No, it's not. This is plus base. Oh, this is salary? Okay. Oh, this is average salary, yes. This is so, average salary plus Benny's. Uh, yep. Here's the thing. When you say average of, of 175, that includes the guys who are in New York City or in San Francisco in these cities that, that uh, you know, two hundred thousand a year. Yeah, yeah. You have you have to pay them two fifty, and 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 getting a package delivered in New York is, is expensive. Oh, I can't imagine. Uh, are you going to get that in in Macon? Probably, not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but I, but I can certainly see a senior guy making six figures. Yep. And they're getting uh, getting air conditioning in their trucks, I believe. Very nice. They said the searches after this deal was reached this week, they said the searches for UPS delivery driver jobs increased by 50% following the announcement. That was a business insider reported that information. And who really wins? The union. Yeah, the union's going to win big time on this. Oh, yeah. But, you know, UPS avoids, avoided the strike, which would have been which would have been terrible considering yellow just went under. Yep. Uh, and it, what it's done is both cases here. We talk about yellow trucking that's 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 folding up, and going out of business, and UPS that is going to have to increase prices. Those are both those both demonstrate the power of the Teamsters Union. Yep, it does. You could pay us and stay in business, increase your prices, or you can go out of business, fold up. And you get to wonder about people, you know, people like me who have, uh, when I have to, when I have to order specific pieces of equipment, I have to have it, I have to have it, you know, freighted in. Well, if, if you're sitting around waiting for a commercial piece of equipment, 
and it's in a yellow warehouse somewhere with a padlock on it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's problematic. Yeah. But I mean, I, I guess good for, good for the drivers. I mean, yeah, good for them. Do, does that mean they'll, they'll walk all the way up to my porch and put the package on instead of just standing at the bottom <laughs> of the stairs and tossing it? Probably, Probably not. not. <laughs> I mean, hell, for 170, I'm thinking my legs look, would look pretty good in a pair of brown shorts. <laughs> nice. But I, I guess I, I guess good for them because what that does is that starts setting setting wages for everybody else. Is is everybody else in the trucking industry is going to realize that man, I got a CDL, I could make the same money st- coming home every night. Yeah, it definitely does that. It does. It makes everybody else rise about, uh, rise around them. And you got to think about all those yellow drivers that are that are out there right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, UPS is going to be inundated with qualified drivers with real road time, not just a CDL. Yep. So we have a Cobb County teacher fired for doctorating fifth graders, fifth grade elementary school. Yeah, and this actually happened back in March. So she got in trouble in March reading a picture book. My shadow is purple to the Due West Elementary students' fifth grade class. Uh, that book is one on gender fluidity. It's basically a non-binary type book, and it talks to kids about being non-binary and, you know, vice versa and all that good stuff. And, you know, Georgia made it where she wasn't supposed to read it. I mean, the, the Cobb County School System said, you can't read this. She read it anyway. She got fired. Now she's appealing. And uh, that appeal was this week. So we've got to follow the story to see where this appeal process is going. Look, I say fire. I don't think fifth graders need to be read books on sexuality or LGBTQ plus subjects or, or anything in that matter. These fifth graders, a lot of them can't read or write at this point and are horrible at math. Why are we reading them well, books if, on being non-binary? If you have an introduction to to uh, sex, sex, sex ed, that's something that the, the kids take home a permission slip or I'm yes, sure now but, it's... But leave it in sex on. ed class, right? Right, but this is a this is a, a book that she was specifically told not to read. Not to read. Yep. So it's not. This is not poor judgment. This is not somebody who was looking through books and no, she knew what oh, she was doing. She knew exactly what the hell she was doing. Yeah, hundred percent. She was. She was being an activist. Yep, an activist and teacher, which we don't need. Right, and I guarantee you, she's secure at home. Yeah, well, like, I mean, if she, you know, I mean, if she gets fired, though, she can go to any other school system. Well, maybe not in Georgia. I mean, the the uh, commission may take away her Georgia teacher's certificate, but she could go somewhere else and easily get a teaching job. She can, she could go be a TA. She could she could go she could go do anything. She could go get on CNN as, as yeah, a Yeah, CNN. Head. That's what I was about to say. Yep. Uh, some, something like that. She, she'll be fine. Like I said, a lot of these, a lot of these teachers, you know, we have the image of teachers, you know, living off a of teacher's salary. A lot of them, particularly in the, the nicer areas like West Cobb and things like that. They are not. The no, they're making way. good. A lot of these teachers up there are making 80 to $110,000. Oh, like yeah. Looking oh, in, yeah. in Griffin, the uh, Griffin County school system, there's 50 people in the school system. It's a fairly large school system, but over 50 people I looked up a couple weeks ago were making over $100,000. Uh, you know, if you get your doctorate or get your specialist degree, you can make good money being a school teacher. And then, you know, Governor Kemp over the last six years has given, what, 5000 plus in raises. Uh, you retire if you're 51, you're done. You get insurance benefits for the rest of your life. Like, I, I don't know how – I don't – yeah, teachers. I, I, I was more. I was more yeah. talking. She's not. She wouldn't have done this if if she was living paycheck to paycheck, single mom, and right. needed yeah. her job. She didn't need the money. This, yep. Yeah, this is somebody who decided to quit in a spectacular way. Yep. But I bet her and salary it, was decent. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to look up and see what her salary was. I bet it wasn't. I bet she was making decent money. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I'm sure it was, but it was it was money she was willing to gamble. Yep, exactly. Again, you were told not to do this. You were told not to. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it, like I said, it wasn't that she was going through a stack of books like, oh, I read this. This is very interesting. How And, and she decided, I don't know, this <laughs> book is not to be read in class. Right. Bam. Guess what I'm going to do today? I'm going to read it. 
So Maui's on fire. So, so is the Big Island, by the way. Oh, wow. What a story this week. Have you ever been to Hawaii? Yes, a couple times. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, so, How so did Ma- you grow up at Delta Brat and not make it out to Hawaii? Ah, no, never did. I wish we would have. It's hard to fly out there now. It's very expensive. These wildfires, and I, th- I thought the final total uh, as of this morning at filming was 55 people have lost their li- lives now with this uh, Hundreds fire are missing. going through. Hundreds are missing, right? And the, the craziest thing I saw was when this fire was burning through that town, and it's a town called Historic Lahania. Did I, I'm not sure I said that right. People were running down the street, jumping into the ocean to get away from this fire. Yeah, almost reminds you of, of of what a chaotic scene Pompeii must have must have looked like. Yep, and I mean there were boats in the harbor burning, and the smoke was just—I've just never seen a situation like this before. You know, uh, part of it is is their construction. Hawaii is very close. Uh, a lot of the locals, I mean, the uh, you know, obviously the real estate is so expensive that you'll have three houses on a quarter acre lot, all the same family. Yep. And you have, you have one stick built go up and they all go up. Well, it's kind of a perfect storm. Uh, they're getting, you know, 80 mile per hour wind gusts off of a, off of a cyclone that that's out in the Pacific right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what would have been a very containable, uh, fire to begin with, I mean, it just literally the fa- the, the flames were fanned. Yes, that's crazy. It's uh, I feel really bad for those people out there. I saw they were interviewing them and just there's been quite a few movies that were filmed in that little town that the whole town's burned down now. Uh, but it's just I mean it's every single building burned, and it sounded like there was more than a thousand structures that were destroyed by that fire. I can't imagine oh, it'll be being years out there. recovering. Oh yeah, it will be. Because I can't imagine even, it's easy to get the, stuff out there, right? I mean, well, it's not. Uh, even even the hotels, which obviously hotels aren't going to burn, uh, most likely they'll have some some stuff on the outside that's that's problematic. It, it obviously can't stay, but but when you start talking about a tourist industry, everybody who works in those hotels lives in the, lives on the island. They don't they don't commute from Oahu to Maui, right? So you know what's just getting the the workers back to 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 even oh, oh look you have to look at the economic impact and Hawaii is is tourist driven they don't produce a whole lot some macadamias and stuff but you know they they're not they're not a huge they don't have huge factories to to, to produce stuff that that's being shipped to the to mainland and all that stuff they depend on a lot on tourism you said two, one of the most popular islands I mean, anywhere in the world you can say Maui and they, and you can, they speak no English go da da Maui <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's it's 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 as famous around the world as saying Hollywood, right? So I, I, I certainly feel for, for for the people of of Hawaii. It's a terrible story. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of money that's can go that's going to disappear from them. Yep. But where money seems to appearing is for the Sanders. <laughs> this just shows you how crooked politics are. So the senator, everybody knows Senator Bernie Sanders. So he's basically is funneling. $200 or $200,000 from his campaign coffers to his wife's nonprofit institute, uh, which basically is paying uh, six figures worth of salary to her son. So his wife sets this nonprofit up. Bernie Sanders takes $200,000 out of his campaign fund, gives it to the nonprofit. Then a the nonprofit pays his wife's son. Hey, look, this nonprofit doesn't do anything. It's a think tank. It does tank. nothing. It does nothing. It's just a think tank. It, Me and you could start one tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think we'd have the same results. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a $200,000 check. Uh, this is not the first time he's did this, though. I mean, Sanders has been funneling money into this uh, this nonprofit for years. And it's basically and this just is campaign a, cash. It's campaign and cash. Tec- so this is money he raises. Technically, yep. you can you can donate campaign cash to charity. You can. Nothing illegal That's, about this. Nothing illegal. Yeah, it's it's more crooked than a dog's hind leg. It's yeah, but, 100%. This is just... You know, for someone like Bernie Sanders, it's, you know, always talks about the working man and how, you know, he's a socialist guy. Yeah, it's just, it just shows how crooked everything is. I mean, it's, it's really no different than when you're in the legislature and you've got your son being a lobbyist and 
companies hire your son to lobby on their behalf just because they know you're the speaker's son. It's no different. People on both sides of the political aisle do this. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, when you rail against the rich Mm -hmm. and you have two or three beach houses and you funnel hundreds of thousands of dollars through a a do-nothing nonprofit just just to hand money to your son. Yep, exactly. And look, he could have just as easily hired his son as a consultant and paid him $100,000. It would have been more up and up and up if he would have done that or people would have at least known what was going on. Uh, yeah, his name would have just shown got, up, not 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 just this this nonprofit. Yeah, this just nonprofit. He was trying to do this out anybody finding out. And you know, if you go out and search online, there's Fox News is covering this. Maybe one other website's covering it. Nobody else even gives a you know, rat's no, ass. No, they don't, because he says the right things. Yep, and he's on the left. All right, so so we have <laughs> the worst story of the week: uh, a baby is decapitated during delivery. This is, and this occurred in Clayton County. Uh, it was a, actually a baby being delivered. Doctor gave too much. I mean, it's hard to even read the story, but the doctor, baby stuck, twisted. Doctor applies too much force, and the baby's decapitated. So the baby's head yeah, comes so, off. So th- they don't know. So the, after, I think it was 10 hours of labor, mm-hmm. it's not, they, 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 they take her for the C-section. And during the cesarean, they pull the baby's feet, you know, as, as they do during a, during a cesarean and the feet come, the shoulder arms, no head. Yep. And then they, they, I guess they tell the mother, the baby's stillborn and rush the body away. Yes. I wouldn't let her see the body. So they tried to cover it up then on what had happened. And the, the cover up is always worse than the crime. Oh, Always. Because do I think the doctor intended to rip a baby's head off? No, that's not no, why he no, an no, OB. Yeah, no doctor would try to do that. Well, I mean, not not unless you're you work in Planned Parenthood. Yeah, a Planned Parenthood doctor, but no doctor delivering a baby. Yeah, and nobody who goes in goes into the the you know the OB uh, profession. Yeah, their job is making babies and bringing babies into the world, and no no doctor goes into that wanting to rip a head off. Yep, exactly. Totally agree. Uh, so you, we went from incompetence to a cover-up. And legally, the cover-up is always worse. Oh, these people are going to get paid some serious money on this. And they deserve every dollar, I think. This is, this is an unbelievable, sad story. It is. I mean, it, it, the, the force necessary to, decap- to decapitate a baby... Uh, you know this because you, you've had two, and I've, I've been around nieces, nephews, and other babies. They're incredibly hard to damage. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're very strong. Little, I mean, their little bodies are very elastic, strong. I was tossing my my niece, who's now starting college. I think she moves in the week that that the show drops. Uh, so my my uh, when my niece was a baby, I was throwing her, and at the house we were at, it was my parents' old house, and my brother bought it later. Uh, we took down a wall between the formal living room that used to be a thing, you know, and, and the and the and the family room. Took that wall down, but right. there's still a header beam through there. So I'm walking with her, tossing her, and she's just laughing. And I walk under that beam and smack her head right on the beam. <laughs> and she looked at me. And I, and I laughed, and she laughed, and we were we were just fine. <laughs> that doesn't always and, happen that way. No, but but the 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 falls that I've seen my nephews take the falls oh, I know yeah, that I took in my youth, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. So in order to rip a baby's head off, it's either way too much force, something was misdiagnosed. Yep, that could be it too. Or there had to be some sort of pre-existing condition for the child that that I mean to to decapitate. But uh, just I mean, think I about what you said, though. The, the, the doctor was pulling the baby out, decapitated the baby, then continued on with a C-section after three hours, after three hours passed before the doctor did the C-section. So the whole time this doctor knew that the baby was dead. Then did he goes he know? In I, I guess they did because yes, they have I a mean, fetal uh, heartbeat uh, monitor. Yes, and so now they go in and do a C-section. I just, this is... Unbelievable story. I mean, yeah, it's so sad for this lady. And these are these are people in Clayton County, which is about 25, 30 minutes south of Atlanta. So close to both of us. 
just a very, very sad story. Yeah, Clayton County has has part of the airport. Yes, right, right. It's on the south side of the airport. In fact, if you get arrested at the airport, uh, depending on where you're arrested at the airport, you go to Clayton County Jail. Yep. Which it would not be my preference. <laughs> not at all. Because I'm not sure Fulton County is any better. But that, that, it's a it's a it's a horrible story. Yes, I think they're going to get paid. It's not that I don't even want to say deserve, but the hospital deserves to pay for it. The doctor deserves to lose his license. Yes, I think that's what needs to happen here. I, I agree. He needs to lose his license. Everybody involved needs to lose their license. Yep. Every nurse that 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 lied, every everybody who who covered that up needs needs to needs to be out of the medical field. I yep, don't, I agree. I don't know if I want to say in prison, but. If you if you covered up evidence of of, of a crime that that's a crime in itself. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Dems are starting to target a Democrat in House seat fifty three. Yeah, we're being a little facetious here. So uh, Representative Deborah Silcox, who is a Republican, she currently occupies House seat fifty three. She actually lost it in twenty twenty. Then when redistricting occurred, they made her district more Republican. So then she won back her seat in 2022, and now she's on the top of the Democrats' hit list to, to get out of office in 2024. I just like how the media spun this story. They say she has a conservative voting record, even though she voted against the heartbeat legislation. <clears throat> Look, Representative Silcox is a super nice lady, but she is a moderate Republican at best. And I don't necessarily blame her. She lives up in a a very affluent Democrat neighborhood, but she is not conservative at all. This is just one Democrat trying to take out another Democrat. And it's really one of these real liberal Democrats, right? It's not a moderate Democrat. So it's going to be interesting to watch this race. Governor Kemp has got behind Silcox, Representative Silcox. He said, this is one of those eight races that they're looking at in the upcoming general election cycle to see if she can hold on to that seat. So Team, you know, team politics 101. Yes, team politics as, as, 101. Yep. As long as she's wearing that R, you, yep. you know, we're, we're going to back her. <laughs> now, it's, I think it's way early for Kemp to come in and back her because we're not even into primary season yet. And you could get a conservative Republican to come up and then everybody stand back. And let's let's see what happens in the in the primary. Yeah, you could get a primary challenger. No, no doubt. So it, one, one other thing for, for Kemp to stay out of until it's time to get in. Mm-hmm. Let the primary process play itself out and then throw in behind the Republican if you want to 100%. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that point. But, you know, that, that, that just makes too much sense. <laughs> this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions, not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. All right, you've got the mule. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a, a crazy story this week. So this lady that worked for, her name was Susie Chaco. I think I'm saying that right. She was fired this week because her company put a keyboard monitor on her computer. And it found out that she was not actually working as much as she thought she could. Now, her job at this company was for, she, was, she worked for an insurance company. Her job was creating insurance documents meeting regulatory timelines, and actually monitoring work-from-home compliance. So while she's supposed to be monitoring working-from-home compliance, she's being monitored for not doing her job and gets fired because of it. (laughs) This this, this is in Australia. Yes, it is. And there there were days where she didn't sign in at all or signed in and didn't do any work. Yeah, that's Uh, part of it, right? She missed deadlines. She was absent a lot. So it wasn't necessarily, she wasn't typing all the time. She was failing to do a lot of things, which led to the keyboard uh, program being put on her computer. Right. And, and look, it's producers are treated differently. I'm sorry. It's the way it is. Oh, 100%. If, if you hit all your sales numbers working three days a week, you know what? Hey, do it. Nobody cares if, if you play golf on the two days a week. Nobody cares. If uh, if you're not hitting your numbers and you're only working three days a week, you're lazy. Yep, exactly. Even if you're doing the same amount of work, yep. producers producers get uh, get special uh, consideration. That's just the way it is. Yep. And 
you know, she wanted to blame mental health and all this stuff. But look, reasonable accommodation doesn't mean you can't get the work done. No. And what this is turned into, which, yeah, now I was, yeah, I was going to say what this has turned into now, she's made such a big fuss about it that I don't know if she'll ever be able to get another job. So to me, instead of just tucking your tail between your legs and slinking off, she's made this such a big deal that she's crying that she can never get another job now. Well, you did it to yourself. No one would know about this. No one would but know Australia, about it. Yeah, uh, uh, Australia is a, is a relatively small country when you talk about population. It is. It's very small. Everybody you, lives right around the get, coast, and uh, you know, yeah, like you East get two big big cities and and several that that are their tourist destinations in a middle that is. Imagine if we had New York, Miami, Seattle, uh, Los Angeles, and a whole lot of nothing in between. Yeah, that's just what Australia is. Uh, so you know the the so yes, it's a, with having a small population. Yeah, her name is. Her, she, yeah, she's, yeah, she's mud. She's got to move. <laughs> and she did to herself. All she had to do was just take the firing and move on with her life. Yep, exactly. All right. So Burt Jones, Jason Anvitarde, uh are striving to end cyberbullying. God, I hate that term. <laughs> I do too. So they put out, this is Lieutenant Governor and Senator Anvitarte from over around your area today. They put out a statement. Yeah, he's my, state, he's my state senator. Yeah, your yeah. state senator. And uh, look, I think both of us like, uh, Senator Amritarte and Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones. I think they're both doing a good job. But they put out a statement this week that says, social media touches every part of our daily lives, and while it certainly has benefits, the potential negative impacts it has on our children cannot be dismissed. Look, I think that statement is 100% true, but I think it's a parental responsibility to actually supervise your children and watch what they're looking at online. That's where I would disagree with this next part because I don't think it's the government's job to to manage your children's online activities. But he said, so basically he said, this legislation will be a critical step towards age verification, removing addictive content and cracking down on cyberbullying in the social media landscape. So they're going to introduce this legislation that supposedly is going to require social media companies to take concrete steps to verify the age of their users. And then they're also going to require social media companies to remove features that they know or find to be addictive to children. I have no idea what that means. Games? Yeah, what are you going to have to uh, do? Remove like Sudoku from somebody's game? Or somebody's phone? I mean, I, that's, like, what I, is I, I, I assume what they mean is, I assume what they mean is the games that have, that are free, quote unquote free, but if you pay this, you get a special thing or whatever in pretend land. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting uh, how they define that. You know, and, yeah, it, yeah. And that, that that does that does trigger the same addiction in your mind as gambling. Um, but is that is that social media's problem? No, in fact, social media isn't pushing these games. The game the, these games are paid advertisers. Right. Right. Of course, I don't. I don't see any game posts anymore. I, I went in on my preferences and deleted all the game, all the Farmville. So and so needs a chicken and all that stuff. I deleted all that off my feed because one, I don't care. Two, I'm not. I'm not playing. Um, I do have a golf game on my phone. I have a golf and a baseball game. So yeah, if I'm I sitting just, in a waiting room somewhere. Back to I, the cyberbullying. Look, I don't know what cyberbullying really is. So I'm interested to see how they define this. I'll show you online later. Now, Senator Anavatarte last year, and I, I, I agreed with this. They passed that bill where TikTok could not be installed on any government devices. 100% agree with that. No government employee needs to have any type of social media on their government device. So good for him doing that. I'm just going to be really interested to see how they define cyberbullying. Yeah. Right. And then... And then how do you define, how do you enforce that? Because it's going to be, if, if, uh, if Facebook, for instance, has to do age verification in Georgia, that's going to make Facebook do age verification around the world at that point. And that's the same thing where if you look at, Uh, if you go to a website now, and we talked about this earlier, but you see the little, the cookie thing pop up in the bottom of your window that says, do you accept these cookies? That was passed out of the California so, so I was, yeah. I was so disappointed when I said yes, and the uh, cookie did yeah. not come out. <laughs> but, 
but it's got, I, I'm going to see where this goes and then how they really define cyberbullying. And then what did they define as addictive I, I, content? So I think those are the key parts around this bill. First, first of all, porn is considered addictive. I, w- I would think so. Uh, yeah. depending, de- de- depending on and who you ask. Social media companies don't require age verification um, for porn either. And, and, uh, Facebook in and of itself, Twitter in and of itself, TikTok in and of itself, they are all right. addictive. I mean, uh, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about kids either. I'm talking about grown, grown ass adults who, who will live on, live on social media and all that. It, it's, it's all yep, addictive. Exactly. Uh, it all, you know, every time we, we, we post something, uh, it, it triggers something in our mind. And every time we, we see somebody having fun that we're not having, it triggers something yep. in our mind. Uh, someone asked me one day, he's like, all you do is go fishing and on vacation. Don't you ever work? I'm like, no, that's all I post. <laughs> I share, I share stories and especially from the Georgia virtue and stuff, but pictures of me, I don't put a picture of me sitting down eating beans. No, if I'm going to put a picture of me, it's holding a fish or it's going to be on a beach somewhere or something like that. So, uh, we do, we do have another disturbing story. We have. Douglas County officials, they're just indicting, indicting him right down the line. Yes, I know. Right. Where, where's Douglas County's up your way, correct? It is just south of me. Douglas yeah, County goes from Six Flags out to Carroll County. Yeah, this all comes, I mean, this all stems from P cards. If you're in the credit card industry or you've, you travel a lot with your current job, a lot of times you'll be given a P card or a purchasing card or a travel card to use. It's got a particular credit limit on it. So it looks like these members had a P card and they started using these P cards for stuff they shouldn't. And then they didn't keep all the receipts. Uh, they didn't seek approval before using them. And, and, and we're talking about cigars, whiskey. Yeah, we're not talking about uh, yeah taking someone out for lunch is official business matter. This is stuff that was very much on their own dime, should have been on their own dime. If, even with that uh, in, in private organizations – uh, you, you know, if, if, and you travel for work, you, you've obviously done, done this, but you say, Hey, can I get the, uh, food on one check and the alcohol on the other? Yeah. hundred percent. A lot of companies company says, don't allow that. Yep. Yeah. I'll pay for your steak and, and pay for your client's steak, but your drinks are on, uh, drinks can be on you. Yep. Exactly. Especially banks. Yeah. Pretty much every bank that you work for has a no alcohol policy on their, on That's, their TV really? program. That was not the case when I was in banking. <laughs> it is now. It's changed a uh, little now bit. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it, the rule was if it is socially acceptable. Yes, that is true. That is true. If it's so, so if you're at a golf tournament. That is definitely socially acceptable. Yeah. And, and the beer cart comes around. It is, it is absolutely, if you're, if you're, if you're playing a foursome and you have three clients with you, it's absolutely acceptable for you to buy beers for, you and your three clients when you, you know, <laughs> no make doubt. the turn or whatever. However, if it's you and three other Work bank employees, employees yep, it's not. No. Yeah, I used to have a manager I worked with. We would go out and have a couple bottles of wine at dinner. And when he was taking a picture of the receipt to turn it in, he would just kind of hover it and, and move it a little bit to make it blurry. He said that was his uh, that was his way of getting around it. <laughs> Last time I did an expense report, I still had to do photocopies and staple it and send it in our office mail. <laughs> that's nice. how long i've been out of the corporate world oh I'm but ready. no man it's 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 the uh it really depends on which industry you're in like i said banking it, it, was, it was always it was always if it's socially acceptable you may uh drunkenness was not it was not acceptable yep exactly you, know, you could you could stand around and have a beer in your hand you could stand around and have a cocktail in your hand at a reception or something like that but drunkenness it was it was not acceptable yep so if you know, what, you have to know your limits. If if two's your limit or three's your limit, whatever. And obviously, leaving a function being paid for by the by the company and getting a DUI is really bad. Yep, exactly. That's how you find yourself getting. Uh, if they don't fire you, demoted to the point where uh, you, <laughs> you, you just no leave. longer have a purchasing card, and you, yeah, you no longer you're yeah, no longer allowed no to longer travel wanted. for work. Yep. But anyway, so the governor now that their chairman has been indicted. The governor has installed the former sheriff from from uh, Douglas County as chairman. Okay, and I'm sure that has made nobody happy because we're talking about replacing a black Democrat with a white Republican. 
Yeah, that's not. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, going to make anybody in that area happy. Well, look, don't suck at your job. Don't steal. Yep, don't steal. Don't steal from taxpayers. I agree. I mean, we talk about government corruption all the time, and there's there's always vague things like, you know they're taking money on the side. You know it. Well, show me the evidence. Yep. Well, in Douglas County, the evidence is right there in front of you. I mean, I don't... I was about to say something stupid, like I don't know how you can continue to vote for these people, but the majority <laughs> of voters have no idea. They, they reelected Marion Barry. Yeah, most not voters people have no clue. But, but voters reelected Marion Barry, and he got caught with hookers and crack. Uh, so you, it just they'll they'll if they want to get reelected, they'll go out there and they'll they'll put their walking shoes on and knock on doors again and say, "Can I put my sign outside?" And the majority oh, of no people. Doubt have no idea what happened unless he shows up with an ankle monitor, then they're never going to know. Yep. So I don't know, man, as we're running log, what have you got for your closing thought? Yeah, just a little congratulatory uh, moment, but Chris Hosey was appointed by governor Kemp this week to serve as the director of the GBI. Chris is a local guy. He lives down in Tomston. So he was in my district when I was serving in the, in the house, but He's actually been with the GBI for 35 years and has been promoted to every sworn supervisor rank in the investigative division. So super, super nice guy. Been there 35 years and now is leading the GBI in Georgia. So congratulations, Chris, to you. And, and promote from within. Yeah, and promote it within. It's amazing, right? They didn't yeah, he's he's they done bring it. somebody in from 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 Alabama or Florida or anything like that. They promote it from within. Yeah, he's that's, done it all. That's a that's a really good story for everybody else who works there. Is do things the right way. I know. Uh, be a be a, a good member of the community. Be a good leader. Yep, exactly. Be an example for your for subordinates, and good things happen. Yep, he has done it all at the GBI. So, yeah, good for Chris. Congratulations, Mister Commissioner. Absolutely. And if I get in trouble, get me his number. <laughs> I've, I've told all my friends in law enforcement and, and prosecutors that if I ever call you for a favor, you should say no. Because <laughs> I'm not calling about a speeding ticket. <laughs> uh, I just saw uh, the morning that we're recording that the waiting list for a lot of uh, certain models of new Rolexes is up to two years. And, and that's on the white market. The gray market, which is your secondary market. Mm-hmm. Some of these watches are going for twice. Yeah, I watch a lot of videos of the Rolex watches being sold all over. Very interesting. Yeah, and I've I've got I've got a hookup on on, on Rolexes, and I was able to get one for my father. Um, he paid, and it wasn't just a gift for him out of my pocket. We we, we do some pretty nice gifts in my family. <laughs> Rolex are not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I called in a I called in a favor, and it still took me six months to get it. And that's and that's with somebody who who buys a lot of watches. He, he's he's truly a watch collector. Yeah, they've created a lot of demand for the Rolexes. Yeah, and, and look at as inflation hits, a uh, thirteen thousand dollar watch is not as much as it used to be. And I don't think their new prices are the new prices are pretty standard. How much they increase every year, right? Which is why a lot of Rolexes are investment. They dip down the first year you buy them traditionally, and then they pace with inflation so our place with with the watches going up so the first couple of years you may lose a little bit but after that your watch maintains value and rolex is about the only one that does that yep. um my my omega doesn't it's my omega is worth half what it was new no those rolexes I still, are I still, amazing if you keep them in good shape oh yeah oh yeah and, but there's a social there if you're truly a collector little tiny things that make a watch very desirable or, or, or not but anyway, not being a, a watch show, big thanks to Eric Cumby who uh, who uh, uh, takes me stumbling over myself and turns that audio something you can listen to. To Ken Cole my partner's endeavor, I'm Dave Roberts. We'll talk to you next week.
they catch me hollering at the moon